Positive Aging with Patricia Raskin is the podcast that provides empowerment, inspiration, and education for older adults to thrive in their golden years. It's produced by Rhode Island PBS and made possible through the generous support from South Coast Health, Cochlear, Greenwood Credit Union, Bama Companies, and Balancing Life's Issues. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Positive Aging. I'm Patricia Raskin. Today, we're talking about play as a basic need for individuals of all ages, and especially older adults. Loneliness and social isolation are an epidemic impacting so many older adults and their families. Research has shown that the introduction of robotic companion pets are helping to improve the quality of life for older adults as it relates to depression and social isolation. My guest is Ted Fisher, co-founder and CEO of Ageless Innovation, a company that produces robotic pets to bring joy, fun, play, and comfort to the older adult market with a focus on improving the quality of life for aging loved ones, their families, and caregivers. Welcome, Ted. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. How did you develop the robotic pets? You know, what what was the concept of play? And what was your personal interest and vision in this concept? Well, you know, I was I was fortunate enough to be brought into Hasbro in 2015, which um, is one of the most creative, inspiring, innovative environments I've ever been part of. And um, the, the team that I was brought in to lead, our mandate was to think about ways to use Hasbro's assets in new markets and new channels. So this new business group was really focused on not creating another toy for children, children in a toy aisle. They were pretty good at that. Didn't, didn't need my help for sure. Um, and uh, there were some insights actually that had been around the company and tons of innovation uh, kind of that never quite either made it to market or, you know, didn't have the, the, the intended end use. And so what, what our group did is, is we sort of, you know, sort of scanned the database and we were looking for ways to, you know, we, we picked health and wellness as a big bucket, you know, something where we thought what Hasbro was really good at, the ability to engage and gamify and make fun and create meaningful connections. Um, we thought health and wellness could use more of that. And so in choosing that area, we then started to look more specifically at, at you know, Hasbro products that maybe were being used by an unintended end user or for an unintended end use. And one of the insights that we leaned into um, would, existed before we got there, but it was really that 20 years earlier, they launched this line of animatronic toys that was intended for four to eight-year-old girls. Uh, yeah. And it turns out about 20% of the time, mom was buying it not for the daughter, but for an aging loved one. Uh, and the reviews that you would read about it were heartwarming and really uh, uh, sort of sparked my team to say, we, this deserves, you know, more uh, sort of research. And, and that's, that, was, that was the initial insight that we leaned into. Uh, and the more research we did, uh, what we found is a couple things. One, older adults certainly want more fun, joy, and play in their life. That was unequivocal and uh, undisputable. And two, there was this growing need for interactive companionship. Um, this epidemic of loneliness and isolation well before the pandemic uh, was growing at rapid numbers. More and more older adults were lonely or isolated, whether they were living independently, living within communities, uh, living with families, because uh, different factors play into to why people are feeling either isolated or, or lonely. And how are these robotic pets designed? either built in sensors and how are older adults feeling about them, you know, when they might've had their own live pet and now working with a robotic pet. Yeah. So, um, so the, the, the pets, the intent, uh, what we first did is what we wanted was this interactive piece of it, which meant a give and take. 
And so it meant if you're giving something, you're getting something in return. And, and what, you know, the research that we did, people wanted realism. They wanted affordability. They wanted, you know, they were, they were every feature that's in our pets today. And as you said, there are sensors and motors and things that make it interactive. Um, and so there's a ton of technology sort of under the fur, but we, we, we more talk about the magic, right? I mean, I've got a few of them here if, if you want me to, to show you, but um, the, the, you know, we launched the cat in 2015, and what we heard about cats was a couple of things. One, when they purr, they actually vibrate. There's a tactile sensation that happens. And so we we took that and we created a technology called VibraPurr because we wanted to replicate that really important tactile interaction. Um, it responds to sound and to, and to light, to changes in light. And um, one of the things we also heard about cats is that they never do what you want them to do when you want them to do it. So the play pattern in the cat is completely random. So you could pet it 10 times and you may get a purr, you may not, you may get a meow, you may not, it may roll over, it may not. Um, and so, but when it's ready, it'll, it'll do what it wants to do. And so um, we, we think that type of realism was something like paw pads and tapered whiskers and, and things that, you know, most, most people wouldn't think of, but older adults told us those were really important features. And so the, the idea behind it was there were a lot of inanimates out there, stuffed animals and other things that were, you know, people gravitated to when they could no longer have a pet or when they were feeling the need for some companionship. We wanted to build something that if you, if you gave it a pet, you actually got something, you know, in, in return. This podcast is made possible in part by South Coast Health, a not-for-profit community-based health system that provides a clinical and caring experience to every life we touch in southeastern Massachusetts and Rhode Island. To learn more, visit southcoast.org. How is communicating with the animatronic pets translated into better communication with other individuals, such as caregivers and loved ones, share a story about this. Sure. Um, so, you know, we hear tons of stories, um, you know, on a, on a very regular basis now. So in, in the fourth quarter of this year, uh, our 500,000 pet will be adopted since inception. So 500,000. Um, 500,000. And wow. uh, we're in 40 countries. And so we, we now we get testimonials, letters and reviews pretty much on an hourly, daily basis. And, and what we hear from caregivers is a number of things. One, um, our product acts as a bridge in difficult situations, which, you know, I'd love to tell you we were smart enough to think about that early on. But um, what we found was, you know, caregivers, especially dealing with folks, you know, that are uh, dealing with dementia or some form of Alzheimer's, um, they're, you know, there it's a in, in many situations, a constant high touch uh, sort of piece. And mm -hmm. so the the idea of being able to give something that does a couple things. One, um, people are very content to, to, you know, to be with it and give caregivers and loved ones the ability to go do other things that they need to do for their loved one. Two, in difficult situations like transitions or uh, areas where in some cases uh, folks had to be medicated in order to sort of get to that next place, uh, our pets have been introduced and it sort of has this calming effect that allows them to, to not do that and, and, and make that transition more, more easily. Um, and, and one of the things that, you know, we, we love to hear about is, you know, for the, for the gregarious outgoing person who lives in a community-based setting, it's not difficult to have friends, but we hear a lot about those, you know, that are not that outgoing and, and their family members are really concerned that they weren't interacting with others in their communities. Um, 
once they were given the pet, they actually became the center of attention. And so as opposed to them having to go out and be this, you know, gregarious and introvert, extrovert, people were coming to them. They wanted to understand the pet. They wanted, um, and, it, and it just changed yeah. people's, you know, perception of, of who they were within communities and families. And so um, all of those things have been stories that have been uh, relayed to us. So that kind of reminds me of, you know, when you're walking on the street with your dog or cat, particularly your dog, and people stop. So it's it's the same kind of effect. You know, you have you have the robotic pet, the cat or dog, and then people stop you as they would if you had a live animal. Very true. Um, it, we find that, you know, our pets are often uh, given if, for somebody that might have a walker, um, there's a basket and they come with them, you know, to oh. uh, to all the family functions or to the meals or whatever it might be. And so um, it's one of those situations. And we all, you know, you used to joke about it when we were younger. You know, if you walked around the park with a puppy, you were your most popular person, you know, sitting in the yes. park. Right. And, and so um, that that it, that effect is real and it happens. And, and you know, and as we know, you know, in, in many cases, residential scenarios dictate that people can't have real pets and, um, and and people have their beloved pets that they had all their lives and can no longer have them for whatever that reason is. And and so we're hoping that we're filling a void there as well, uh, where, where people can have that love and interaction, but also that interaction with others that is, you know, sort of a part of the pet experience. Ted, you said you have over 500,000 now out in the market. So is it is it mostly cats? Is it mostly dogs? Is it mixed? Are there other pets that you're bringing into the mix now? Yeah. So uh, the cat was launched in 15. The dog was in 16. So the cat had a little bit of a head start. But today it's pretty close to, you know, as, as you know, pet lovers around the world are, it's 50-50, right? So, um, so we have, uh, you know, two different uh, colorways of, or types of dogs. One's a golden pup and one's a freckled pup. And then we have three different colorways of the cat, an orange tabby, a silver, and a, and a, um, a tuxedo, which is black and white. And people are very specific about their, you know, about their breed or their favorite and um and so that's been really unique to to, to sort of watch all of that um you know I, I think the the evolution for us we have a new product coming out uh actually this month uh called the walker squawker which actually was invented by a 93 year old entrepreneur named rita malone and wow. rita for 90 years of her life didn't need a walker uh, and so she forgets it. And and what we do know is that about 80% of falls that happen for people with walkers happen because they forget their walker. Um, and Rita said, listen, everybody gets mad at me when I forget it. But my whole life, when I wanted to get up and go to the bathroom, I just get up and go to the, you know, that, that's what we do, right? So, um, and that's her line, not mine. Um, and, and really what she said is, but if I had maybe a little bird or a pet that, you know, that sat on the walker and helped remind me and make it more fun and engaging. I have one behind here if you Interested in seeing if this is uh, this is this is the Walker Squawker, which you know can be held in the hand without uh, or or with the perch uh, put onto a walker, and um, it sings and it makes sounds and it interacts, sings oh. songs and those type of things. Right. So um, a really really fun and engaging product that we can't wait to to be part of uh, our, our our line of pets. And uh, the first ones are being shipped out actually next week. So we couldn't be more excited. So you, you're really using feedback from your consumer, from the customer. Absolutely. Uh, and, and by the way, we are... Uh, we're, we're, we encourage and, and are looking for more ways to interact with older adults with fin fantastic ideas. 
I mean, you know, if you, if you want to figure out what you know, people want, ask the people who want it, right? So um, that's been since the beginning of our, uh, the inception of this brand is that, you know, we don't in any way assume that we know what is best for older adults or what they want. We ask them uh, and we make them part of the process and did with our original pets. And this is even the, a better story. I mean, Rita actually invented this product. She just brought it to us and we had the, the, the distinct honor of bringing it to market. So we're very excited about it. This podcast is made possible in part by Cochlear, the global leader in implantable hearing solutions, helping people of all ages to hear and connect with life's opportunities. To learn more, visit www.cochlear.us slash aging. In 2018, there was a companion pet pilot study, and I'm going to read you some of the results, and I'd like you to comment on them. It showed a significant reduction in agitation, social isolation, and expressions of sadness among the studies of participants. Some required less medication. Primary caregivers expressed benefits as well. And it also increased the quality of life. So talk about that study. Yeah, so uh, we're so fortunate uh, at this point. We, we have about a dozen published um, research uh, papers, journals, uh, some peer-reviewed. Um, that really highlight, I think, the the two for our for our pets. I would say there are two need states that were most impacting. Um, dementia and Alzheimer's uh, is is one, and then loneliness and isolation is the other. And we have studies on both. Um, but you know, what, one of the the things that we've seen is that, and I say this all the time, I'm not medically trained, but when people are happy, they feel better. Um, yes. And I think the the whole what we think about every day is the power of play. That's our differentiated approach to some really, you know, it's a very unique and different way to think about the issues that are facing, you know, our older adult population. But um, we think it's a really underutilized asset too, that play is something, it's a basic human need. Um, people want it. And, you know, who who doesn't raise their hand when you say, when you, as you age, what do you want? You want, you know, more fun, enjoying playing in your life. Mm -hmm. We work hard our whole life to get to a certain point. And then we hope, you know, the golden years and all these other expressions that we have been the cliche. Um, and so we think about the studies themselves. Um, it, it makes a ton of sense to me that if people are happier, they feel, you know, like they have more resolve. Mm -hmm. They feel um, like they have more purpose. Um, we specifically designed these to be affordable, which is something we heard over and over again, because we think that one-to-one -one relationship is really important. Mm -hmm. uh, our pet owners feel like they have a pet and they need to care for the pet, although it's, it takes less care and feeding than a normal pet. Um, they still feel the need. And, you know, uh, our, our cat comes with a brush and, and people utilize that brush because they want their cat to be beautiful, as you do. And, and so those type of things, you know, I think have really been proven now to to validate. I mean, we, you know, in the state of New York, we had a, a pilot uh, that turned into a really large uh, program. Um, and they found that 70% of the recipients felt, you know, less depressed, more, you know, purpose, uh, more resolve, all those things that I think contribute to your better well-being and your your happiness and those type of things. Mm -hmm. in, in the state of Alabama, they did a, one last I'll share with you. They did a study and they did it over three, six, nine, and 12 months. And after three months, the utilization numbers were in the, you know, 70 percentile of people who were interacting with their pet. In month nine, it had jumped almost 80 wow. percent. So the longer they had the 
pet, the more interaction it was getting and the more people were interacting with it. So I think that talks to that relationship piece of it, which I think has been a big part of why the 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 well-being and the health and wellness aspects of it actually happen because people are engaged and, and really feel, um, you know, some relationship with them. Ted, how would you say this has affected you in your own life? Doing this work, studying aging, the older adult, the active ager, the senior, um, how has it sort of changed your view of getting older? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I, I say this probably too often, but I feel so incredibly blessed to to be in this space. Um, if you had told me when I joined Hasbro in 2015 that some number of years later, um, I would have launched a brand for older adults and then spun the brand out and and now focus 100% on this population. I'm not sure I could have connected those dots initially. Um, and so you never know where the path was going to take you. But, you know, um, as, as has been documented, I did a TED Talk and talked a lot about the relationship I had with my grandmother, who was, um, you know, an incredibly important and one of my best friends in in, in my life. And we had a really fun and engaging relationship. And as she's, you know, suffered with dementia throughout the end of her life, um, you know, laughter was sort of her weapon. When when mm. she wasn't getting something, when something happened, she just made it fun, like everything. And, she, and it made everyone around her more comfortable. Uh, and that was happening right at the time when I was at Hasbro. So I was entering the space, I was living with a family, you know, or living near a family member who was dealing with this and all of my other family members dealing with it. Uh, and I just, every day I would, she was sort of my one person focus group. I would, you know, stop by her assisted living or her memory care and bring something over and say, what do you think of this, Graham? You know, it's just uh, see how it worked. And she, you know, we had the, when we launched the brand actually in 2015, she was actually on the original, her picture was on the original package. Um, so um, it, it, I, I, I can't imagine, I've done a number of entrepreneurial things in my past. Um, I've never had more fun. Uh, I've never been more excited and enthusiastic about the population that we get to serve every day. And so it this has been um, really sort of life-changing for me in terms of how I look at it. I have a um, I have a sticker on my on my door over here that says old people are cool, um, which is a it's another organization slogan, but I love it so much I put it on my door. And 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 honestly, like we we get the great pleasure of interacting with older adults in their environment, wherever that may be, quite often now. Um, and it is, you know, it's something that had a stigma earlier in my life where I probably didn't, you know, I just, I didn't know, or I didn't understand, or I wasn't really willing to. And now, you know, I seek it out at every possible, you know, opportunity that I can. I have a meals, I had a meals on wheels route. Now I'm on their board. I mean, I, I, I just, I couldn't, uh, you know, I couldn't be more enthusiastic or, or excited about my friends that are, uh, they're maybe a little older than me. <laughs> this podcast is made possible in part by Greenwood Credit Union, which offers locally-based full-service banking where our focus is on you. To learn more, visit greenwoodcu.org. There are organizations, including Aging 2.0, that strive to accelerate innovation to address, you know, big challenges and opportunities in aging. They have innovators in across 31 countries. How have these organizations supported your work as an innovator in aging? And have you seen them impact the local community? Yeah, so Aging 2.0 is, is an amazing uh, organization. And, and we've been, you know, interacting 
for almost since the beginning of, of, of launching the brand in some form or fashion. Um, I think one of the powers of, of Aging 2.0 is that it's, uh, it's global, but it's local. Uh, and so the local chapters are really the drivers of getting local communities engaged with innovation around older adults and products for them or services for them and those types of things. Um, we actually currently are the ambassadors uh, for Aging 2.0 Providence. Um, and we took on that role right before COVID. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sad to say that we haven't done a whole lot with it because during COVID, it was really tough to get people together and aggregate. Um, but the, the organization has just gone through some, some changes. But I mean, you know, the emails, I'm on email string as one of the ambassadors every day. And the things that are happening around the world in different places that we can all learn from. And so we get the benefit of the sort of local impact of an aging 2.0, and then the ability of the collaboration and sharing across the world that makes the local impact uh, a global, you know, potential opportunity. And so I think it, it's a great organization. Um, we, we've probably, you know, put it on the back burner a little bit only because of the, the COVID situation and the difficulty in getting folks together. But um, we're really enthusiastic and excited about re-engaging in a more meaningful way as we start to come back together. That's very exciting what's happening on a global level. Speaking of that, Ted, what do you see for the future for this animatronic pet technology? More innovations, more robotic pets. What do you think? What do you see coming down the yeah. road? Yeah, so uh, so we, we, we try to look out uh, in the future. And I think one of the things that we've, we, we won a National Science Foundation grant a few years back with Brown University and their Humanity-Centered Robotics Initiative. And one of the, the intent of it was a private-public kind of partnership to think about, you know, ways to take technology to the, to the next level, to more commercial level. And, and our grant was focused on looking at um, the addition of artificial intelligence to our platform. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we've, we've gotten, you know, quite far down the road now with some prototypes, um, you know, thinking about, is there an opportunity to uh, enhance the, uh, the user experience through, uh, through the addition of, of AI in the product? And so we have a, a number of ideas. We're not exactly sure what that means. The thing that we're fiercely protective of is the relationship between our older adults and the product. And so whatever we do in that realm, as we sort of innovate forward, it'll only be to enhance that and not interfere with that in any way, uh, because that really is where the magic happens. And we want to uh, ensure that our end users uh, are always having a better experience with our product. But but there's exciting opportunities. You know, there's a, there's a lot of things. There's a ton of active monitoring that's going on that's giving family members peace of mind, that's allowing people to live independently longer for whatever reason. And, and that takes on a whole host of, of ways. And uh, I think, you know, in the future, our product has a place there. Um, we haven't exactly figured out what that means, but we're exploring it uh, today. Do you think you'll have, I mean, you have cats, you have dogs, you're going to have birds. You think you'll have more? Um, yeah, I would never say never for sure. I mean, uh, one, one of the things that I think has been, you know, the, there's a number of, of social robots out there now. Um, and some have taken very different tacks, right? Some have taken the less familiar, like there's a Japanese uh, seal that's a very expensive, you know, sort of one to many type of model, but they went with obviously something that wasn't as familiar and for their own reasons. We, we chose the let's pick the things that people have the most familiarity with because we think there's a lot to that. Like one of the things I've seen often and a high percentage of the adoptions is they name it their pet's name 
that they knew and loved, you know, it was Fluffy mm -hmm. or it's Rover or whatever yes. it might be. Um, and that means something to them quickly. And so that also helps enhance the, the sort of relationship between the end user and the product. Uh, and I think it's an important one. Thank you so much, Ted, for being on this program and inspiring us and enlightening us. Positive Aging with Patricia Raskin is produced by Rhode Island PBS and made possible in part by South Coast Health, Cochlear, Greenwood Credit Union, Bama Companies, and Balancing Life's Issues. For more information, please visit ripbs.org slash positive aging.